In the beginning of Scripture, in the book of beginnings, in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 12, the Hebrew God Yahweh, the Hebrew God Yahweh tells a man named Abraham, these are Yahweh's words, he says, go, leave this place, leave your country and your people, leave your father's estate, and I will bring you to a new land. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you abundantly, and I will make your name great. Yet, if you continue to read, there's more to God's declaration here than is often remembered in this short verse. Yahweh says, I'll bless you, and you will be a, and you will be a blessing. He speaks these words in Genesis 12. He says, but I've blessed you to be a blessing Because all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, Yahweh's promise from the beginning, from Genesis, was just the first step. Simply the first step in a much bigger vision to extend that same blessing given to Abraham and his people group to all peoples on earth. However, just as all people groups who believe they've been set apart, God's chosen community all too often forgot this promise. And still today, often we forget this epiphany message that we're celebrating on this day. Our word epiphany simply comes from a Greek word meaning manifestation or or appearance or appearing. And throughout church history, this Sunday has been associated, this word has been associated with the revelation of Jesus Christ with the visit of the Magi, right? You know, we've got some songs about them. Uh, In the Greek, these Magi... It's just the word magi, magician. Our word magician comes from this. Uh, Astrologers, uh, sorcerers even. Basically, the idea is that these are outside of the Hebrew tradition. These travelers that came to seek Jesus were outside of the Hebrew tradition. They were led by a star, led by the Spirit, seeking the incarnate God of the Christmas season. And so we talked at length about this last year, about the Magi's visit, the slaughter of the innocents, Jesus' family uh, fleeing to Egypt. If you want to hear that message, you can go back on the podcast to a year ago on Epiphany Sunday. And so this morning, we're going to dig more deeply into the appointed epistle reading, one of Paul's letters, the Paul's uh, letter to the church in, in, in Ephesus. Um, let's begin uh, with a word of prayer. God of all nations, peoples, and cultures, This is the day you have made bright with your light and your love as promised for all. So guide us in the ways of your son. Let your gentle light shine everywhere in all places and at all times as it illuminates the dark spaces of our hearts. Even as we contemplate your beauty and proclaim the various wisdoms and mysteries of your love as provided through Christ Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, so if you're following along, we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. 
Uh, we're going to kind of bounce back to chapter 2 for a second, but we are going to be primarily spending our time this morning in Ephesians 3, if you want to follow along. Uh, in the first verse of Ephesians 3, Paul writes, This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Gentile is just simply a word that means a nation distinct from Israel. So a Gentile is basically anyone that's not of the nation of Israel, okay? But in order to understand what Paul is saying, we need to know what this, this is that put Paul in, in, in prison. We need to go back to chapter 2, just the very end of chapter 2, to gain context for what Paul is communicating here. Because chapter 3 is a continuation of chapter 2. And actually, when Paul wrote it, there were no demarcations of chapters and verses. It was one long letter that he wrote. And at the end of chapter 2, Paul says that Christ is our peace, and in his flesh he has made both groups. He's talking about Jew and Gentile, right? So he's making the Hebrew people and the people who are not Hebrew people into one. And he has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. Paul says he, Christ, has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. And so we see that Paul has been put into prison by the religious authorities for boldly speaking the truth that all the promises given to Yahweh. Paul is saying here that all the promises that have been given to their people are available to all people through the cross. The cross being the central, the central point of salvation as Christ chooses not to bring more division through violence, but rather lays down his own life willingly for the benefit of the whole. All right, so back to verse 2. So now we're going to keep going in Ephesians 3. Where Paul says, for surely you have already heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me on your behalf, right? On the Gentiles' behalf, the non-Hebrew people. And how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I wrote above in a few words, again, he's referring back to chapter 2, which is a reading of which will enable you to consider my insight into the mystery of Christ. In other generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And so in this first section, Paul is pleading. Paul is pleading with the church in Ephesus to simply consider. He's just asking them to consider the insight he has for them just to simply consider this mystery that was unveiled to him by the grace of God and landed him in prison for their sake. And then we reach the climax in verse 6 where Paul explains exactly what this supposed mystery is all about. In verse 6, Paul says that the Gentiles, again, a nation that is distinct from Israel, are. This word here is our, 
like are, like A-R-E, not have become as some English translations will, 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 will put it, but literally just are, that the Gentiles are co-inheritors of the same body and joint partakers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel, through this good news. Are you starting to see the big picture and why Paul was put in prison? You see, Paul is telling those who are benefiting from a special status in society. Paul is telling those who are benefiting from their special status in society that they, Israel, God's chosen nation, are actually equal with those who are not in Israel's immediate ethnic group. That even those who are not in their immediate people group are able to receive the same inheritance, co-heirs, right? Are able to be of the same body, members of the same substance, this word means. And they're able to be partakers of the same gospel promise of Christ Jesus. This is why Paul is put in prison. This rubbed those religious rulers the wrong way because in this message they were going to be losing some of their status and some of their power as the ones who held it above others' heads. And so here in verse 7, we'll, we'll finish this, this, um, these, these verses of Paul. He says, of this gospel, this euangelion, this good news, I have now become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles, a nation distinct from Israel, the news of the unsearchable riches of Christ and to enlighten all what is this stewardship of the mystery hidden from the ages in God who created all things so that through the ecclesias, the assembly, the church, can bring the much varied and diverse wisdom of God that might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This was in accordance with the purpose of the ages that he caused to happen in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have access to God in freedom and confidence through the faith of him, literally the faith of the same substance, the same word that was used earlier to describe our reunion with one another. This gospel, this good news that Christ is for all people, this good news, this mystery revealed that Christ is in fact for all peoples, not just one particular group, was always the purpose and was always the plan from the beginning. Paul says here, in accordance with the purpose of the ages. You see, Paul knew the promise made in Genesis 2. That God was blessing his people so that way all peoples would be blessed through him. Only now the you that Yahweh spoke to, the you that Yahweh spoke to in Abraham's ethnic group, 
has now become the ecclesias, the assembly, or we would say the church. And the church is the one who is called to bless the nations by making his wisdom of God known. Did you get this? You catch this? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The heavenly realms being anywhere that God reigns, which is really everywhere. Uh, we talked about this a lot in our Lord's Prayer series, right? It's God's reign. Uh, it, the heavenly realms, they start with the breath that we breathe and they continue into the infinite cosmos. This ecclesias, the assembly or us as the church that follows Christ, Paul says, is to bring to all the rulers and authorities the holy imagination and this wisdom of God. The mystery, this is the wisdom here. This is what Paul says is the, is the, is the wisdom of God, is that this mystery, that his body, is actually diverse through the blood of Christ. That there are actually, in fact, more people included in this or able to participate in the blood of Christ. But church, how often we forget the purpose of the ages that Paul speaks of. And how often we forget this epiphany witness. As we cling to our own little groups, clinging to what we believe is ours, pretending to be God. We judge who is in and who is out. And not only do we cling and we judge, but we frequently do so in the name of the Prince of Peace himself. The same Christ who was sent into the world specifically to tear down the walls of hostility, as Paul says, and to create in himself one new humanity in place of the two. My friends, Christ does not belong to anyone at the exclusion of somebody else. Christ does not belong to any nation. Christ does not belong to any people group or denomination at the expense of another nation or people group or denomination. Yet we often lack the holy imagination and we lack the wisdom that Paul speaks towards that sees the world in a different way than the dominant culture around us. And so we end up fighting in worldly ways for what's ours. We fight to the death to cling to what we believe is ours, leaving the cruciform Christ behind and also leaving those who oppose us bloody and bruised and battered on the side of the road, all the while claiming victory in the name of the one who I tell you takes no part in that evil. You see, as the light of Christ lives within us, and as we've been called to bring this wisdom, we are to transcend. We are to transcend the ideologies of Western conservatism. We can include, but we must go beyond them. 
We must be critical when needed and use it to energize and not tear down. We are to transcend the ideologies of Western liberalism. Again, we can include, but we must go beyond them. We must be critical of them when needed and use them to energize and not divide. As the light of Christ lives within us, and as we've been called to bring this wisdom to the rulers and the authorities in the nations, we are to transcend the divisions of partisanship. We are to transcend race and gender and economics and lifestyles, personalities, likes and dislikes as we become an alternative community and an alternative people called to be a blessing because we've been blessed. We're called to transcend these things as we become an alternative people group that choose the cruciform love of Christ over personal gain. We are called to transcend these things and not to emulate the extreme partisanship our culture clings to. We're not lukewarm. We're not supposed to be lukewarm. God even says he'll spit you out of his mouth if you're lukewarm in the book of Revelation. We're not to be moderate. We don't try to just land in the middle somewhere, but rather we allow the spirit of Christ to transform our beings into something new altogether. Christ gives us an alternative to follow. My friends, will you follow that alternative that he gives? Christ gives us an alternative way to live than the culture around us. Christ gives us an alternative to the fighting and the hatred and the division and the tearing other people down simply because they don't agree with you. Christ gives us an alternative to be a blessing because we've been so blessed. But it starts right here. It doesn't start with what you see on the news. It doesn't start with trying to force certain groups to line with you. It starts with you. It starts with ourselves. It starts with our relationship with God. And it starts with our relationships with those in our communities, our family, our friends, and in this greater world. And so let's continue now and pray four prayers, four prayers for our world. We've done this exercise before, but I'd like to invite you to pray along with me this morning. And we'll begin by praying for our neighbors, for the people who live in the house or apartment or dorm room to the left and the right. Can you picture them? What are their names? And with their faces and their names in mind, let's pray this simple prayer. God, 
Would you bless them and bless them richly? And would you show me how I can be a part of joining that blessing? My friends, let's pray for our neighbors. someone in your family that could really use prayer today and with their face and name in mind can we pray this simple prayer God would you bless them and bless them richly and would you show me how I can be a part of joining that blessing let's pray for our family continue by doing what Jesus said to do and pray for our enemies. Is there someone in your life, if you're honest, has become your enemy? And with their face and their name in mind, can we pray the prayer, God, would you bless them and bless them richly? And would you show me how I can be a part of joining that blessing. Let's pray for our enemies. Finally, let's pray for our world, for our broken and beautiful and messed up and glorious world. And let's pray that God's will would be done and God's kingdom would come in big ways and in small ways. And that he can show us what we
we can do with our hands and our feet and our lives to co-labor in bringing this kingdom and to bless this world. Father, Son, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. We bring all of these things before you this morning. We bring all of the events of this past week and lay them down at the foot of your cross. We pray for healing. We pray for repentance. pray that you would use us, your chosen community, blessed, so that way we might be a blessing, that we might not add to the division and the hatred and the chaos, but rather in following in the footsteps of the Prince of Peace, lay down our lives, our interests, our personal gains with the same cruciform love that you poured upon the world. As you sacrificed your body, as you died for our sins on the cross, Christ, may we follow in those footsteps and not in the footsteps ways in which our culture tries to divide. And now let's pray this together. The words of Jesus, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses just as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom.